You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I'm getting an early jump on it. It's only about uh, 3.30 right now. That's p.m. on Wednesday because um, I got to get it in real quick. I got to drive out to the new house, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to sneak it in real quick. But what the reason I'm telling you primarily is because the uh, interviews are either still going on or have just recently concluded. They probably concluded. It started, what, an hour and a half ago. But all I listened to so far was uh, Matt LaFleur's interview. It, oh, actually, that's not true. I listened to about half of Jordan Love's, too. To be honest, um, now that I think about it, there may not be any commentary about it because those were the most boring interviews. I don't really know if it was bad questions. Usually you can kind of identify whether it's bad questions or just non-answers. I guess they were kind of bad questions, but I also have no idea what would have been a better question. You know, like, um, hey, Jordan, um, you look better today. Does that help with your confidence? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? What was the next question? And uh, Matt LaFleur was very, he almost seemed borderline hostile, right? He really did not like that certain players were being isolated. He really was trying to, he had this really lame attempt at pretending he didn't know who the, the questioner was. I think it might have even been the first question. Something to the effect of, you know, you've got a 22-year-old that uh, really showed out today. He looked real good. You know, what does that say or whatever? And he's like, uh, are, are you talking about Jordan? We got a lot of twenty-two-year-olds out there competing. Like, t- shut up, Matt. You know, you know exactly who he's talking about. But again, you don't want to single anybody out. You don't want to play favorites. There's no different be- difference between Jordan Love and Ty Summers. They're the exact same guy, exact same value. So they're going to get the exact same paycheck. They're going to get the same amount of publicity. They're going to get the same amount of reps. And I'm sure Matt Lafleur coaches Ty Summers just as much as he coaches uh, Jordan Love. I mean, I get it. You got to play that game, but it's a stupid game. And I think everybody understands it. I'm sure the players respect what he's doing, but I mean, come on. Come on. Aaron Rodgers is currently occupying 20% of the salary cap. He is not 20, he is not one fifth of the team. I promise you that. So I don't know. It was just a lot of sort of nothing questions with nothing answers, as far as I could tell. But, anyways, what I did want to do today is go through. The training camp practices, I got all caught up from yesterday and today. Um, not exactly sure the best way to go through this. Kind of tempted to do two days ago's practice and then contrast that with today's. I might just do that because it would be a good way to kind of split up the breaks too. But it also kind of gives some some contrast. Obviously, many of you know the contrast with uh, Jordan Love, but, you know, whatever. So that'll be the plan. We're going to talk about Tuesday's training camp. So two days ago, technically for all of you listening, and then yesterday's, which is for me today's training camp after that. That works, I think. Right? Or is that stupid? I don't know. Anyways, um, maybe that's dumb. Maybe we probably, I don't Who cares? Moving on. We'll figure it out when we get there. Getting a glimpse into what it's like to be my wife. She's always asking me what we should do about stuff that's like not immediately in front of us. Like, when should we get the moving truck? Like, are you kidding me? We're talking like weeks away. How would I how would I possibly have an answer to that question? I will know five seconds before it's time when it's time. Okay? 
That is always the answer. I, I will let you know, hey, now is the time. So just be ready. Anyways, a couple little things to get through first and foremost. Um, news and notesy and whatnot. Apparently, and this is not really new news, but it is gaining traction, so that's a thing. There was a press release put out. The title of the press release is NFL Requesting Proposals for Future Regular Season Games in Germany, seeking to identify a long-term partner city to build on substantial German fan momentum. So look, I love and hate this. As somebody that would love to see the NFL expand in terms of popularity, would love to see the Green Bay Packers fan base expand in terms of popularity, would love it if more people possibly tuned into the Packernet podcast. Of course, that would be fantastic. Keep doing it, Roger. Keep going out and getting more eyeballs on the footballs. Logistically, I hate it. I hate everything. It's bad enough that we got teams on the West Coast and on the East Coast, and that's not fair, right? Like, you got to travel from Seattle to New York and vice versa. That's rough. I just, I don't know, man. The whole thing is just a little bit much for me. Maybe what you should do is require every team to have an international game. This will be about when we have a 22-game schedule for the regular season. Every team has to go abroad at least once, and you get a bye immediately following. I had actually seen something where, what the heck was it? I don't know, but they were they were talking something about having a uh, a bunch of different s- ger- uh, not German European or international stadiums. I, I really don't remember now. Bottom line is, I'm just going to say it this way because I I'm I'm not, I'm not sure how much of it was real and how much how much of it I just made up in my brain. I don't know why I just de- de- developed a stutter in the last five minutes, but it's getting brutal. Anyways, I had this daydream. This this is where, see, my brain's getting all crossed over because, like, uh, imagination, conspiracy theory part of my brain is fighting to get to the forefront of this podcast. Like, ooh, I can take it from here. And I think the other part of my brain was trying to fight it off because it's stupid. I think that's where the stutter came in because it is kind of stupid, but we're going to go forward with this. What if, and this isn't a real thing, but let's just have fun with this for just five seconds. But if every team had an international home base... 32 international locations, and you play there once a year, which the only way to make that work is you'd have to be at home once, and then you'd have to be away once, meaning there would have to be two international games per team. Honestly, the only reason this is even worth talking about is it's fun to think which teams go to which cities. Now, there's a couple things we know. The Jaguars are going to London, or I should say England. I don't know exactly where that stadium is going to be located. And there could be multiple per country. We know that the Packers have to be Germany. Because German, Wisconsin, it's all tied together. The Vikings have to be probably like Norway. The Bears should probably be Poland, because, you know, same as Chicago and uh, or Green Bay and Wisconsin. It's a very Polish place. Detroit. What is a burned-out city that is known for losing? Probably thinking, like, Eastern Europe. Should be cold. Not a lot of people live there anymore. I'm thinking, like, Russia, but it's got to be a portion of Russia, not like the whole thing. Although I don't think anybody else is going to want to be in Russia, so it could just be Russia, but it's got to be somewhere horrible in Russia. I don't know, let's just say Russia. No offense to any Russians, I'm sure you got some beautiful areas, but you know, just, you know your geography better than I do. Pick a really cold, terrible place, that's where that's where the Lions go. Patriots also should be in England, just because that would be hilarious. The Chiefs maybe could be on an Indian reservation, does that count as international? Maybe, maybe not, we'll circle back to that one. Could be somewhere South America, though. Because, you know, you got the Mayans and whatnot. Maybe we'll go that route. Could just make it Mexico or something. I'm having way too much fun with this. Um, 
Not sure if anything else stands out. Browns, I'm not touching that. Cowboys would be rough. Obviously a very American thing. Texans, what the heck are the Texans? That's gotta be, everybody's just gonna be Mexico. I think the Chiefs gotta move s s further south. They're going to El Salvador or something, Nicaragua. Saints can go to uh, Vatican City. Now it's possible the Pope isn't gonna be cool with that, so we'll just call it Italy. Raiders, I'm also thinking, uh, also thinking pirates. So I don't know, Iceland or something. Chargers. Highest number of lightning strikes per square mile in the world is in Venezuela. Lock it in. Giants. Tallest people in the world? Bosnia and Herzegovina or whatever the heck it is. Boom. Giants. Lock it in. Dolphins? I don't know. Jamaica. The Jets? I'm thinking largest air force, which is the United States. Second by about uh, a third is Russia. We already got them covered because of the Lions. So after that would be China. So we can send the Jets off to China. So that's we'll lock that in. Buccaneers. Jeez, we got so many pirates. I don't know, we'll put them somewhere in the Caribbean, too, because, you know, they're pirates of the Caribbean. You got to switch it. It's not Caribbean if you're talking about pirates. It's Caribbean if you're talking about pirates. Steelers. China has the most steel in the world. We already got China for the Jets, though. China's pretty big, although Russia's kind of big, too. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll kick them to a different part of Russia. Steelers are going to China. 49ers, looking at gold. United States, Germany taken. Italy is taken. France would be fourth. So 49ers are going to France. That feels appropriate. The Titans are Greek mythology, so the Titans are going to Greece. Washington football team. Where the heck do I send the Washington football team? And Washington is English, so we can go that route, even though we already got one there. I don't know. Just kind of spitballing, but, you know, you guys can jump in and let me know what you think. Arizona probably should go somewhere hot and dry, find a desert somewhere in Africa. You get the idea. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, so Germany is a thing. Also on the docket, we've added a couple different players here to the Packers' uh, little get-together soiree. Devondre Campbell, linebacker, um, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons and then uh, later for the Arizona Cardinals, spent a year there. Now he is with the Green Bay Packers. This is pretty common territory. They've uh, brought in several guys like Antonio Morrison, B.J. Goodson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Interesting note on that. Um, and I, I'll, I'll just say right now, I did a terrible job of grabbing the names of the people that put these tweets on here. I was just aggregating tweets together to put them in a way that made sense and, uh, did not put who said what, but great observation by somebody. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have now had four of the seven linebackers that were taken in the fourth round of the 2016 NFL draft. So there were seven linebackers in 2016 who went in the fourth round um, of that seven, four of them were Blake Martinez, Antonio Morrison, B.J. Goodson, and Devondre Campbell. So uh, the others that the Packers have not taken so far, Joe Schobert, Josh Perry, Nick Kwiatkowski, which is hilarious because he was available and an option, former Chicago Bear that went to the Raiders, um, and that must be it. So if those guys hit the market, Kwiatkowski, I'm not really sure what's going on with uh, Josh Perry. I don't know that I've heard his name. But keep an eye out, because they're collecting fourth-round picks from 2016. But look, the, the bottom line, and, and you're going to hear about his athleticism, his versatility, all that stuff. Matt LaFleur had talked about how there's actually a couple connections, some stronger than others. Matt LaFleur was the, the uh, quarterback coach, I believe, for the Atlanta Falcons when he was drafted by the Falcons. So he had a little bit of familiarity with him. Also, our defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, was the defensive coordinator for the uh, uh, for the Rams when he was a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. 
So they were in the same division for at least that one year. So presumably the, he had a little bit more knowledge and observation, again, especially being a linebackers guy. Um, if you're helping your offense plan for opponents, one of your biggest opponents is the Arizona Cardinals, et cetera, et cetera. So, but um, Matt LaFleur talked about him, said he's versatile, but the, the biggest thing, and again, this is what they hammer on constantly, great person, right? He, he mentioned how that's unbelievably important to this team, that you're a good person, a good human being and all that. And we, we have a lot of guys like that in the locker room and we want that. And as I've said, I always rolled my eyes at that. I'm starting to really understand it, especially with all the stuff that's going on. You want super high character guys. Not saying Rodgers isn't necessarily super high character, but you want to try to avoid as many issues as possible with guys deciding, you know what, I don't feel like playing for you anymore because you're not doing what I want. Just saying. But to give you some insights into what I mean by he's not very good, Devondre Campbell um, in his five years has graded out via PFF, and this is his overall grades, 55, 69, 56, 50, and 49. So 60 being average, 2017 was his only year being above average, and that was a 69. So 70 is when you cross over into good. He didn't quite get there. Uh, The one consistent thing that he's always done very, very well is tackling. I know a lot of people think about him as, you know, being this guy that uh, comes on a lot of pass rush, gets dropped in coverage a ton. He actually plays in coverage more often than he is a run defender. You know, he does all these things. Yeah, he's got the versatility, but again, it's kind of like I've said, you got versatile guys and you got tweeners, and I think Devondre Campbell is more of a tweener. He's got the tools to do everything, but he doesn't do any one thing very good except, again, tackling, which really isn't a specific category like coverage, pass rush, or run defense. It's just one of the jobs you have to do in all of those three phases. But uh, specifically, his run defense grades over the five years, 50, 63, 65, 62, and 48. So again, he hit the average mark. He's never hit the good mark. Pass rush, 51, 72, 57, 55, 51. So once he crossed that threshold, that was in 2017. Um, 13 pressures on 92 attempts. He had three sacks. And then coverage, 59, 68, 50, 41, 51. So the last three years, um, he has not hit 70 in any one category. And coverage is his biggest liability. As far as his statistics, he had 476 times he dropped into coverage. He was targeted 58 times, 42 of those were caught, which is 72.4%, 411 yards, gave up one touchdown, had no interceptions, three pass breakups, 97.7 passer rating when targeted. But, you know, again, it's it's no different than a lot of these other guys you bring in, B.J. Goodson, whatever. You don't really expect a lot. I think a lot of people do, and the only reason I'm going through this is because there's probably going to be some narratives out there that this guy's really talented, he's really versatile, he's really going to be special, and I'm going to have to hear for the next several months how special he is. He's going to change things. He's going to be the starter. He's going to be this, 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 this. Same with Christian Kirksey. Same with all these guys. Same old story over and over again. And it just, it's never, they they just don't have top-tier linebackers, and Devondre Campbell is no exception. I'm fine with it. I'm not mad about it. He's a guy that they think can fit and can do some things, and, and the good thing about him is that he's a veteran. He's been around a long time, and they don't have a lot of veterans, so it's they're bringing in a veteran presence, I'm sure, for absolutely dirt cheap. And the versatility helps, because he at least has experience in understanding what is being required in any one of these phases if they don't have guys that are some of the young guys that can do it, regardless of what he's being asked to do. Again, maybe not executing at a high level, but he at least knows what his assignment is, can kind of do a good job of getting in the way. And then there's the teaching aspect and just sort of the, the comfort factor and everything else. So, Anyways, the Packers also added another quarterback, because why not? Um, he was uh, somebody put on Twitter, Joe Dolagata or Dolagala. His name is Jacob Dolagata, not Joe, Jake, whatever. So I was taking me a long time to find the guy. I'm like, I don't see a Joe Dolagala. 
But, um, I mean, you, you want to talk about the definition of a camp arm. 6'6", 235, undrafted free agent in 2019 out of Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. Central Connecticut State is the school he came out of. Um, he has played in two preseason games. Actually, wasn't too bad. It was for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, obviously, he's playing against third, fourth string guys, whatever. But um, he graded out fine. I'm hesitant to even read the, the stats and whatnot because, I mean, really, who cares? But um, 27 to 41 in his final week four game of the preseason in 2019, uh, 253 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So there you go. Anyways, I think I've made a decision what I'm going to do. We're going to do the status updates for the two days. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and go through all of it all at once, um, not splitting up by day, just going by position and looking at over the, the two-day period, whatever. So obviously, two days ago, we learned that all five wide receivers that missed the OTAs, Adams, MVS, Lazard, Funches, and EQ, are practicing. Jair Alexander also came back. Um, the only two Packers seen working out on the side were DeGuara and Bakhtiari. Stanford Samuels was practicing. He was out for a while. Kadar Holman and wide receiver Chris Blair were present but not practicing. And then Zadarius Smith, Elton Jenkins, Preston Smith, and Dean Lowry were in the COVID protocol which doesn't necessarily mean positive test. Not really sure what it meant. Uh, they were not practicing or in the building. However, today, or yesterday, I suppose, Wednesday, the update came. Zadarius Smith is out of COVID protocols and practicing today. Preston Smith, Elton Jenkins, and Dean Lowry, however, were not. And then the news came that the Packers did release Mr. Mike Weber to clear a spot on the 90-man roster because they were over. So the uh, Mike Weber experiment is over, and Dexter Williams reigned to the number three running back spot. Just got a little bit closer. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. As excited as I am to be a homeowner, I now know that that comes with uh, a cost, like a literal dollar cost. (laughs) So any and all help is appreciated. And again, if we get to 300 patrons by the end of week one, we're going to be doing two giveaways. One will be for new patrons. That is to say, people that have joined in the last month and beyond. And then we will have the big giveaway for all the patrons, which is a Green Bay Packers ticket. Unless you hate that idea, I'll get you something else. We'll figure it out. Buy you a burger or something. I don't really care. Whatever gets you motivated to uh, jump in on Patreon, please, let's talk about it. No, I'm not buying you a car. But we are 78 patrons away. We were making great headway to the point where I was like, we're definitely going to cross that, but it is completely flatlined, and I'm not so sure anymore. So again, keep in mind, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. For as little as a buck a month, you can join in and support the podcast. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
All right. So if, again, if I was good at what I do, we would save the best for last. But um, I'm too psychotic about you know things. I'm the guy that has to close all the tabs just because they're driving me nuts. Why are these all open? Whether it's, you know, notifications on my phone drive me insane. And I have to go through a literal battle with myself where it's like, I need to keep this notification because I need to remember it until I can save it somewhere else. You cannot swipe it away. And nine times out of 10, I'm just going to swipe it and be like, I don't even care anymore. I don't care. It has to go away. I'll find it later. Won't be a big deal. And then I don't. So we're going in order because I'm stupid. And uh, what that means is we're starting with quarterback. And this is the biggest and most full note. And obviously it is the most exciting and also, uh, I don't know, just everything. So we, we kind of already talked about it a little bit because yesterday, and I'll tell you what, talk about perfectly timed. Yesterday we talked a lot about Jordan Love and um, the overreactions. And I was actually surprised to see, it was funny because one of the things I wanted to do possibly for tomorrow was to look at the other training camps and see what's going on over there. So I, I took just a peek. I didn't really get started yet. I probably will do that for tomorrow do a little spying on the enemy type thing. But I'm, I'm not kidding you. Half of it was nonsense. The other half was just reporting on the Green Bay Packers. Like, they, they all talked about the, uh, some Aaron Rodgers thing about how, I don't, I don't even know what it was. It was some Aaron Rodgers article that I didn't even see on Packers Twitter. I had to go on Bears and Vikings Twitter to find it. And then there was uh, all the coverage about Jordan Love being bad. And, and they were just glee. It's like, dude, you guys have your own football team. Do you know that? If you go on Packers Twitter, I'm talking about go to the reporters and find the guys talking about training camp. And I have lists of these guys for the other teams as well. I don't see anything as far as updates. I have not seen a single update on Justin Fields in Packers Twitter. Nothing. And no, it's not because he's doing fantastic. I know he's doing relatively well, but I've already seen now they're starting to see some of the issues. Nothing super major. I just, I just, like I said, I just glanced and I saw a little something. And so it's not like there's nothing to feed on here. You just don't see it. Packer fans care about the Packers a lot. But it's like I've always said, and maybe this applies to the Vikings as well. The, the absolute best definition of a Chicago Bears fan is somebody who hates the Green Bay Packers, whose second favorite team is the Bears. That is a Chicago Bears fan. So anyways, it'll be fun to poke around, see what they're up to. Um, but man, it's just, it's all they talk about is the Packers. So it's like, all I'm doing is I'm going through this minefield of nonsense that doesn't matter and Packers slander. It's like, you guys are just sad, man. But anyways, again, with the in order thing. And, and, and it's kind of important to go in order too, because you kind of see the, the actual progression of it. These are the tweets as they came out in order. And I'm just going to read them off. This is about the quarterbacks, not just about Jordan Love. First tweet. Kirk Benker throws a pretty good ball. And, and to be honest, there's been a bunch of that. Obviously, Jordan Love has been the uh, the talk of town, but that guy's just been kind of tearing it up. And obviously, he's a good dude. Packers fans really like him. He's just got that sort of personality, obviously, that uh, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst like. But let's be honest, we kind of like it too when guys are like, you know, the Jamal Williams types. We can sit here and talk about, I don't care about personality, just give me a good football player. And then when a Jamal Williams shows up, we just fall in love with the guy. So I, I think they know what they're doing. But it's it's there's been a lot of positive and, and granted it's you know it's practice and he's working with you know backups backups but it's uh, it's working. Next tweet: No live rush, but Jordan Love just flashed some impressive athleticism. Now I want to pause here because it was sort of talked about as though everything yesterday or Tuesday was negative about Jordan Love. That's not true. There was an overall negative narrative because it didn't go as well as a whole as you'd like. But there were positives. Continuing on. 
Love maneuvered inside the pocket before flushing left and finding Amari Rodgers in the middle. Hit Rodgers with a low throw to beat tight coverage. Arm and feet in one play. So there's the flashes, right? Again, I talked about yesterday. There's no guarantee if he's ever going to get anywhere near his potential, but his potential is sky high. And that was a flash of that. Continuing on, much different quarterback rotation than usual years. Love with 16 consecutive plays before Benkert gets hit, uh, gets, I'm guessing that's supposed to be his, gets his shot for two plays. Now back in Love. Now Love back in. So 16 plays, they throw Kurt out there for two plays, and then they send Love back in. Listen, if you don't think they're trying to get this guy up to speed as fast as is humanly possible, you're out of your mind. It kind of feels like they're going all in with Jordan Love. Now, obviously, they still want Aaron Rodgers back. But if, if the plan is, if they're thinking that, um, you know, Blake Bortles is probably going to be the guy because Jordan Love isn't ready, I don't know that they'd be doing it like this, where Jordan Love gets 16 plays, then Kurt gets two, and then Jordan Love goes back in, and Blake hasn't touched the ball yet. I know Blake is a veteran, but, it, you know, it's, it's similar to how they operated last year where Love didn't even get to touch the ball. Why? Because we got COVID, and we don't have a lot of opportunities, and we got to get the guys that are actually going to be playing the time to get ready to play. That's their number one priority. It sure seems to me like the guy that they want getting all the snaps to make sure that he's ready to go is Jordan Love. So if things fall through, I feel like they're putting Jordan Love in. Next tweet, nice little connection between Love and MVS on a slant. Now, all you heard yesterday was he couldn't hit MVS to save his life. Well, maybe on a, you know a deep pass or whatever, but here you go. Getting a chance to work with most of the wide receivers today, uh, though Devontae hasn't been in team. So Devontae did not, he was there, but he didn't really do much uh, Tuesday. And then it says, period ends with an out from Love to Malik Taylor. So the first period was fine. No real deep passes, but short passes, efficient. You saw a lot of good stuff. Continuing on, Blake Bortles, first open practice is complete to Malik Taylor. Love throws high on his past two throws. He's still working to find any sort of rhythm in team drills. Love with a shoddy two-minute drill on fourth and seven over Taylor's head. Good read, but poor throw. Blake Bortles ends two-minute with a 35-yard touchdown down the sideline to Isaac Nauta. Blake Bortles goes 5-of-5 in the two-minute drill and finds Isaac Nauta for a 35-yard touchdown. I had Jordan Love 12-of-23 in 11-on-11 drills, took almost all of the reps, a lot of short throws, and didn't seem to find a rhythm. Should be noted he was working with most of the top wide receivers for the first time since last summer, which is also worth noting. It's not an excuse, and, and again, it doesn't mean much of anything, positive or negative, including what we're about to talk about now. It doesn't mean all that much, but it is worth noting. There is, and we talk about Rodgers and chemistry all the time. The biggest reason that he, he did so well with Jordy, uh, Randall, Devontae now, it's chemistry. It's understanding, you know, trusting that the guy is going to be where he needs to be and the receiver knowing where the quarterback wants him to be. You got the trust factor, but also just putting yourself in a right position. So first time he's ever played with these guys, yeah, okay, he was a little little rough, especially with MVS and that speed. Again, Rodgers has struggled with that. All right, so that was Tuesday. These are all of the notes, quarterback-related, uh, from Wednesday's practice. Love found MVS over the middle for first down, then wide open Tunyon in the flat for another. First two passes in team. Jordan Love is here to take team reps and chew bubblegum, and he's all out of bubblegum. Took first 10 reps before Bortles enters. Best throw Love's made yet? Dropped a dime to Dylan down the right sideline. Pretty throw and catch. Now, I think you can actually... Eh, no, you can't, because I think this is 11-on-11s, but there were some non-11-on-11s. So 11-on-11, they weren't allowed to film, but there were some pre-11-on-11s where they were running wheel routes and they were throwing passes. I don't know if this is what it is or not, but you can see a couple of these on Twitter. You can find the videos for them. 
Um, but there was a lot of time. I, I, I added a couple of the, the tweets here and I'll read them to you, but I, I took out like three out of like 12. Everybody was gushing over this throw and catch. Next tweet, love with the nicest pass in minicamp, hitting Dylan on a wheel route about 30 yards down the sideline. A beaut. Play of the day so far, love with a beautifully placed ball up the right sideline to running back A.J. Dillon. Great throw and great catch with Amos unable to get there from safety position. Just too good of a throw and catch and love sidestep pressure before the throw as well. So there's, it's another reason why I keep adding different tweets because everybody has like a, so many times I go back and delete it and then add this one and delete that and then add it and just it becomes this zombie tweet and it's like I'm just putting them all in there. Because everybody has different perspectives, and they saw and noticed different things. So there was pressure. He sidesteps it and launches a 30-yard pass down the sideline before the safety could get there to A.J. Dillon running, screaming down the sideline. I mean, come on, that's pretty cool. Now, can anybody do that that's that's in the end? Sure, Kurt can make that throw. I don't know how many times out of 10. I don't know how many times out of 10 Jordan can. But it's still a positive thing. It's still a good thing. It's still a positive development and something to be excited about. Continuing on, Kurt Benkert with two nice throws to start team hitting Taylor and now Sternberger midfield. Hold that thought. Love just up uh, one-upped himself with a free play deep ball down the middle to Lazard between two defenders. Unbelievable throw and catch for 40-plus yard yards. Love draws Kingsley Kiki offside. So again, full context of the tweet. He gets Kingsley Kiki to jump. With This is the second time I believe he's done that in camp. He gets somebody with a hard count. Now he gets a free play. This is vintage Aaron Rodgers. You think he's been paying attention? He gets a defender to jump off guard, gets his free play, launches it 40 yards down the field right in between two defenders, and hits Alan Lazard for 40-plus yards. I'm happy about it. You happy about it? Continuing on, Love strikes again on a wheel right to Jones, Aaron Jones this time. Summer's coverage was excellent. Jordan Love with his fourth dime of practice and absolutely perfectly... uh, an absolutely perfect throw in tight coverage to Aaron Jones down the sideline, right sideline. Impressive catch by Jones and Love now getting fanned off by coaches because he's on fire. Oh my, uh, now Love goes 40 yards to running back Aaron Jones up the right sideline against tight coverage. Perfect ball and incredible uh, incredible hands by Jones to snare it. I'm guessing that's snag it. Above his head and holding on, diving to the ground with a defender right there. Next tweet says Love is dropping dimes all over the place right now. Next tweet, three amazing plays earlier, but Love just now should have thrown a pick six to Savage, but the safety dropped it. So wasn't all perfect, right? So yesterday wasn't all terrible. Today wasn't all perfect, despite the narrative being that way. Somebody noted at this point, I've got Love 12 of 15. Not all short stuff either. Deep stuff has been on point. Jordan Love is taking almost every rep, not just first team. Almost all of them with backups too. An awfully boring practice if you're another, um, if you're, Another of the three quarterbacks on the sideline. Packers getting love ready to potentially play. This is exactly what I was saying. I don't know what's going to happen with Rodgers, but there's very little doubt in my mind at this point that they're going all in. And that that is a positive sign. You know, you keep getting people saying, this is very obvious that they don't trust love. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, whatever they're pointing to. There's always something. You know, the fact that they want Rodgers back or they won't trade Rodgers or whatever. It just proves they don't trust love. Now, if they didn't trust Love, you'd be seeing Blake Bortles getting a lot more opportunities. Blake Bortles can play. Not very well, but he's got a floor. He's a he's an NFL starting quarterback, has been for many years. He's got experience with our offensive coordinator. He knows what it's like to be in the playoffs. Very nearly to the Super Bowl, in fact. Granted, it was almost 100% his fault that they didn't go to the Super Bowl, but, you know, we'll leave that alone. They, they, they wouldn't be crucified any more than drafting Love 
and then making him the number three quarterback last year. Obviously, the Packers don't care about perception. If they felt he wasn't ready, they would be continuing to talk to Aaron Rodgers as well as getting Blake Bortles ready. And to say, well, he doesn't need any work because he's already a veteran, so they got to work. No, that's not true. That was the case. They wouldn't need anybody else there. You, In fact, one of the things that was mentioned by Matt LaFleur, he kind of echoed what I've been saying about, you know, voluntary OTAs and how important it is for guys to be there. I know it's voluntary, but you should be here because the guys that are here for that are more prepared than the guys who weren't here for that. That's just voluntary OTAs. We're talking about a handful of days. This is a quarterback who's never played on this team before, doesn't know the offense, doesn't know any of the playbook, doesn't, hasn't played as a starting quarterback in a long time, doesn't have any rapport with the number one guys, which is probably the most important thing. Get as many throws to Devontae and MVS and Alan Lazard as you possibly can to get in the groove with these guys. Not doing it. Jordan Love's getting into a groove, and that's it. Continuing on, Love had a near interception short over the middle to Savage and had a deep ball thrown on the run, broken up by Josh Jackson, but, so those are already talked about, but responds with another dime on a semi-deep out to the left to Winfrey, who does need who does the feed-me motion with his hands. I don't know why reading this is getting my brain all twisted up. Two-minute drill, sees a deep ball to EQ, sets up a red zone chance for Love's number one offense. Toe-tapping touchdown for Lazard in the back of the end zone. So, Again, it kind of just came out of nowhere, but this was the first tweet I got on it. Basically, they were running um, two-minute drill, hits EQ on a deep pass. Don't know what else happened, but, you know, that happened. Get in the red zone, and he throws a touchdown pass to Alan Lazard. That ain't bad, continuing on. Both offense and defense celebrating after Lazard appears to sky for a touchdown to end two-minute. We are downfield from that end zone, though. Love was 7 for 10 for 70 yards. So, again, they skipped a lot of stuff. But he went 7 of 10, 70 yards down the field in two-minute drill and got a touchdown. Um, final note, don't forget about Kurt Benkert. He wins the two-minute with a 50-yard touchdown pass to Winfrey on a busted coverage. So offense had a good day in general. So that was it for the quarterbacks. That was obviously the longest of, of all the, uh, the notes for any particular position. And it's good news, right? The, the Jordan Love is looking better, which is obviously going to be important. Now, is it? Like I said yesterday, does that mean we need to overreact and say he's the greatest quarterback of all time? No, but it's it's progress. It's heading in the right direction. You you got to have something good happen, right? It's okay to have bad days. It's not really okay to not have any good days. So he's got the good day under his belt. Hopefully now we have more good days than bad days. We don't need to overreact in any one direction as far as good and bad. He just needs as much possible time with these guys, with the offense, with Matt LaFleur as possible to get him as ready as is humanly possible. But at the end of the day, no matter how much time he gets, he's still basically a rookie, which means if he plays in the regular season, it's an if, but if he plays in the regular season, there's going to be rookie mistakes. There's going to be boneheaded errors. This is not a, you know, one preseason and you're ready to be an NFL quarterback thing. This is, you know, this is years and years of learning. And Aaron Rodgers is still learning. There's always learning. So unfortunately... Uh, we're going to have to exercise some patience here. That's just that's just a reality. Mentioned it before, but uh, you know Aaron Rodgers obviously struggled out of the gate. You know when we first saw Aaron Rodgers in 2006, and imagine if I was doing this podcast and um, you know we had the technology and Twitter and all that stuff back in 2006. I mean technically we did because Twitter I think was created in 2006, but it's nothing like it is today. But but just imagine everybody's already upset about Favre. Rodgers comes in. We finally see him for the first time in 2006. The guy was drafted in 2005, so he didn't even play the first year. What a waste. What a bum. 2006, you know what his grade was, his regular season grade in 2006? 30.3. 30 
6.3. Now, it was only 20 dropbacks, 15 attempts, but he completed 6 of 15, 40%, for 46 yards, 3.1 yards per attempt. You want to talk about dink and dunk, Jordan Love is getting crucified for his dink and dunk passes. He completed 40% of his 15 passes for 46 yards, 3.1 average, no touchdowns, no interceptions. You know what his big-time throw percentage was? It was zero because he didn't make a single big-time throw. He did have one turnover-worthy play, however, putting his turnover-worthy play percentage at almost 5%. One in 20 of his passes were turnover-worthy. Didn't have a single drop, (laughs) so that had nothing to do with it. In year three, 2007, he had a 66 overall grade. So this is his third year on the team. He has a 66 overall grade, only 35 dropbacks. He completed 20, uh, excuse me, uh, 35 dropbacks, 28 attempts, 20 completions. So he's up to 71%, 218 yards and a touchdown. In year four, 2008, is when he got his first full-time gig. His grade was a 79. This is year four. Now, 79 isn't bad, but he's not a pro bowler. It wasn't until year five in 2009 that his grade jumped up to an 87.8, which is where he's kind of resided most of the time. Right, 2018 was an 89 uh, 2016 was a 90, you know, whatever. And he's got a bunch of 70s mixed in. By the way, he's been alternating every year since uh, 2014. This is supposed to be a down year for him, I'm just saying. 74, 90, 79, 89, 81, 95. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that just gets lost. We think that Aaron Rodgers was elite right out of the gate. He wasn't. Now, I thought he looked good in preseason and all that stuff, and that's fine. But, you know, in, in, in the limited times that we saw him, he was never elite peak Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't until year five, his second year as a starter, not that his rookie year, I mean, not a rookie, but his his first year as a starter was bad. Although he did have 13 interceptions in his first year, which is the highest of his entire career and only 28 touchdowns, which I don't know if there's one other than injured years where he had less. So 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That was year, um, that was year four for him. Year five was his first really good year, 4,400 yards, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Year five. Boy, are we glad we had patience with him, didn't we? Aren't we? We act like we get five, you know, I don't know. This is year two for Jordan Love. That's all I'm saying, patience. All right, moving on to wide receivers. This is from, uh, let's see, Tuesday's practice. Packers star wide receiver Devontae Adams is present at minicamp and in uniform but isn't really participating in on day one. Watching most drills and working on the side during 11-on-11s. He's entering a contract year. All of Green Bay's other top receivers are practicing. Packers inside linebacker Oren Burks just collided with Equinemius St. Brown, who was running an inside slant. Equinemius stayed hunched over for a moment before tapping out off the field. He's been looked at on the sideline. He came back, and then shortly after was this tweet, EQ back out on the field during walkthrough portion. He seems fine. So that was about it. I mean, there are other um, things from wide receivers and whatnot, but you know, usually there's multiple. For example, if there's a touchdown, Jordan Love to uh, Lazard. Well, I'm just going to put that under Jordan Love. So you still get the wide receiver update. Now, this is from Wednesday's practice. Devin Funches has been getting attention from the member of the medical staff for several minutes uh, while practice uh, continued. And then the next tweet, Devin Funches has dropped out again. So he got hurt back-to-back times. After that, the Amari Rodgers jet sweep has made its practice debut. Uh, next similar tweet, Amari Rodgers jet sweep picks up some good yards, probably the first of many. The other cool thing about this is they're actually drilling the jet sweep. The thing that I really like about that is, you know, it's sort of the old adage, if it's even correct, you get what you practice. You know, if you think back to the old jet sweep, what the Packers did, if you're just looking overhead, 
not maybe with coach's eyes, but you know, just just watching as a, as a fan, the jet sweep is nothing really all that spectacular. And you watch it, and you think, why does this keep working? You know what they're gonna do. Why does it work? It's because there's there's complexity in the details, and they get the details right. It's every inch, every single thing, every single read, every single thing has to be perfect. And if you perfectly execute it, it's basically unstoppable. The point is, the jet sweep is simple in concept, in, in basic theory. A guy runs behind the quarterback, quarterback turns around, hands it to the, to the wide receiver, running back, whoever it happens to be. He runs around the end and tries to get some yards while the wide receivers block for him. Everybody runs it at least once, to varying degrees of, of uh, success. The point is, not a lot of defenses are drilling, defending the jet. They know what you're supposed to do. They're going to talk about it. And I'm sure the week before they play the Green Bay Packers, they're going to be practicing how to stop it. But that's just that that one or two practice reps, you know? The Packers are drilling this over and over and over and over and over, and they're built for it. Their wide receivers are blockers. Other teams can practice all they want, but they're not defensive tackles out there. They're not linebackers. They're not safeties. They're corners. So you can practice all you want. They're not built for this. They don't drill it over and over and over. I, I, I genuinely think this is going to be somewhat of a staple for this team. And I think the practice reps and, and really studying it and really grinding on it, it's going to be one of those things that even though teams know it's coming, you can't really stop it. And that's going to be critical. That's what makes a really good team. That's what the Packers used to do back in the day with Mike McCarthy. It wasn't that you didn't know what we were going to do. It was that you couldn't stop it. And I really think there's going to be an element of that with this team, um, with the especially with the run game as well as things like jet sweeps to where you maybe know more or less what we're going to do. And, and part of the scheme, the idea behind the scheme is you really don't. And so they're going to run a lot of uh, fake jet sweeps. You're going to see a guy in motion, and they're going to fake the handoff and boot out you know, with DeGuara kind of running off to the left, and we're just going to quick throw it to him, which, by the way, is a killer for the linebacker. Because if you're a linebacker, your number one job is to start cheating. When you see a guy like Amari going, you got to get there. But you can't move because the last time we tried to run out that direction, you basically have to sit still until you let the quarterback declare or, or until somebody declares where the ball is. Then once you see it, you can go. It forces you to hesitate. I just, I love this offense so much. I love this offense. I got to hurry up. I want to go home. Oh, just, I'm so excited. Can we, can we play some football? Smacking marble doesn't have a very um, cool sound, but that's what was happening and my hand hurts. But I am pretty jacked up. Anyways, continuing on, I just, I got myself so jacked up. I'm so excited. All right, let's get through this. One guy that stood out on offense besides Jordan Love today was wide receiver Juwan Winfrey, mainly a practice squad guy last year, and his dog kind of attacked me once getting out of the elevator in our building, but a nice day for him. That's random and unnecessary, but, uh, but you know, I mean, it, wide receiver is one of those things where you know a bunch of guys are going to make the team. And you know sort of at the top who it's going to be, but there's maybe one spot there. Maybe he can fight his way on there. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Moving on to offensive line from Tuesday. The starting offensive line to begin things was Braden at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard, Myers at center, Lucas Patrick at left, uh, excuse me, right guard, and then Billy Turner at right tackle. 
However, they did rotate out the number one. So you had the next note here. It says, Royce Newman continues to get snaps at right guard with the ones. Seems Green Bay is going to give him a chance, rotating with Lucas Patrick, also seeing time at right tackle. So they're really trying to figure this out in terms of, and there's so many moving pieces. They're trying to get this right. And given, you know, it's sort of like I said with Jordan Love, you want the guys that are going to be playing to get all the reps so that they can work together in unison. They got to learn to work together as a team and, and work out the calls and all this stuff. But we got to get the right combination down. And uh, there's so much versatility. There's a billion different combos. It's not like this guys are, you know, we have three left tackles, two right, left guards, you know, one center and, you know, down the line to where you can say there's not that many variables. You have that many variables, plus these guys can move all over. Royce Newman can play tackle and guard. So they've been giving him time at right guard and right tackle and Billy, moving Billy Turner from right tackle to left tackle. And I'm sure a little bit of right guard. Patrick's playing some right guard. Um Braden's getting moved around. But uh, anyways, the second offensive line from Tuesday was Yash Nijman at left tackle, Cole Van Lannan at left guard. And again, the cool thing about this is you kind of see, you know, for example, if John Runyon goes down to be, well, depending on what happens with Lucas Patrick, let's say Lucas Patrick, is he would probably step in. But Cole Van Lannan at this point is next in line, um, as is Stepniak at right guard. So those are kind of your next level. Hanson, another guy that I said to keep an eye on, um, is the second string center right now and then Royce getting second team right tackle looks now as of yesterday Wednesday you've got rookie fourth rounder Royce Newman out of Ole Miss working with the ones at right tackle to start 11 and 11s Billy Turner is at left tackle so this time they started it with Royce Newman at right tackle um and and maybe you know again it could just be trying different stuff but they even said in that last tweet from Tuesday that they tried that already Maybe they really liked it, and they said, okay, so Royce is a pretty solid right tackle. Why don't we give Billy an opportunity to move over to left tackle? Because even though we like Braden, we might like Billy a little bit more, and if we can have Billy over there, and uh, you know, obviously Bakhtiari is going to come back, but if Royce can be a good right tackle, that's, that's huge. So if he can do it, we want to know if he can do it. Let's give him an opportunity. So it was cool to see that they came out immediately with Royce Newman at right tackle. The rest of the offensive line for the um, starters, again, left tackle, Billy Turner, left guard, John Runyon, center, Josh Myers, right guard, Lucas Patrick. So, yeah, so many uh, combinations that they're trying to work through right now. Defensive line, the only note I got, and this is from uh, Tuesday, starting defensive line, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, and Kenny Clark were the starting defensive linemen. Off the edge, the only note was from Tuesday. It says Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin taking the outside linebacker spots vacated by the absent Smith brothers. So you don't really get an idea of who's, you know, where does Rashawn Gary rank or is he any of that stuff. But the only insight you do get here is that Jonathan Garvin right now is uh, edge four. Um, I don't know how solidly in stone that is, but I feel like that's, I feel pretty confident that's what we're talking about right now. Uh, moving on to linebacker, you got Kamal Martin looking clean, running through linebacking drills, and then uh, Barnes is currently LB1. Those are the only two notes I got. Both of those were from Tuesday. So Chris Barnes is still our number one linebacker seemingly right now. Um, and then again, the only other note was Kamal Martin was looking good through drills, whatever that means. Cornerback notes from Tuesday, uh, starting cornerbacks King, Jair on the outside, Sullivan in the slot. So still King getting those number one uh, reps. Obligatory KB on Ento tweet, but he had an awesome coverage outside on Alan Lazard on an out route. He continues to look the part at cornerback. Just another guy that doesn't have a huge chance of making the team that some people are really into. I'm fine with him being on the team, but I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but he's not seriously a part of the competition for a starting job, especially after we just took a corner in the first round. Just saying. 
Uh, next tweet comes out, um, Jair doing Jair things, explodes to the sideline for a pass breakup. Nobody moves like Jair moves. Notes from Wednesday, good rep positioning from Josh Jackson against MVS on the sideline, nearly had a pick. Among Jordan Love's three incompletions in two-minute drill, Packers rookie Eric Stokes had a pass breakup on a slant throw to MVS. Tight coverage from Stokes into the middle of the field, which is a cool note just because we've almost completely forgot about him, or at least I have. But um, we've actually had some really good notes. I think it was uh, rookie camp. I don't know exactly what it was. No, it must have been the voluntary stuff. But word out of camp, even though it's been relatively quiet, is he's been sticking on everybody like glue. And I haven't heard any negative stuff about passes getting caught on him so far. Not that it hasn't happened, but I haven't heard about one. And I have heard at least now of one pass breakup. Um, tight coverage to MVS, and obviously MVS can move. Um, Jair Alexander also had a pass breakup on a throw in back of the end zone to MVS on a second and goal. So back-to-back pass breakups uh, for Jair Alexander, at least on you know two days in a row, he's breaking up passes. Jair seems to be picking up right where he left off, which is awesome. Safety news, obviously Amos and Savage are our starting safeties. Will Redmond continues to get looks with some of the Packers' top nickel and dime packages. So when we get a third safety out there, it seems to be Will Redmond is the guy. Darnell Savage with great coverage and Alan Lazard pass from Love falls incomplete. And then in dime, Packers dropped Adrian Amos into the slot with Darnell Savage and Will Redmond as deep safeties. Wonder if Amos could be a candidate for the star position or if it's just a preferred dime look. So I think safety is another one that they're kind of playing with, although I think that's probably a little bit more set in stone, obviously, because there's not that many combinations. And then finally, 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 you get a note on special teams that says the first punt returner in line, rookie third-round pick Amari Rogers from Clemson. So he's getting starting uh, punt return duty looks. Obviously, he's a great fit for that position. However, if he takes on a large role on this offense as a wide receiver, they will quickly remove him from that. It's it's a delicate thing with special teams where they always want to put on a, a, a real strong front about how much they care about special teams, but... The second you become important, you're off special teams because <laughs> we're not risking you getting injured. Maybe not entirely. I mean, you still do some blocking or whatever, but you're not returning and you're probably not gunning. Anyways, I got to get going here. I still got a long drive ahead of me. It's already five o'clock. Got to pack the car and do some chores. And I got about a 45 minute drive out to the new pad. But um, hopefully a lot more good news to come. I think today was just a good day. Obviously, it's always good and bad, right? Every time somebody completes a pass, it means a defender didn't do their job and vice versa. But overall, I think there was a lot of really good notes. Uh, it seems like guys are starting to get it all figured out. And potentially the most important piece had a good day. So that's that's solid. I don't think I've heard any real bad news yet. I know they they're haven't done a ton of things, but 11-11 is something. I haven't heard. I mean, and listen, you've got Jordan Love, who's new to this. you also got Josh Myers. I haven't heard about one bad snap. That's got to count for something, right? Watch me jinx it now. Anyways, i got to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.